Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rian Gladman and I manage the Behavioural Insights Programme here at the LGA. We really want to demystify behaviour change and share practical examples of where councils are using this approach to improve local services. So in today's episode, we'll be sharing the work that the London Borough of Merton have been doing to improve air quality for local residents. It's great to have Maya and Jason from Merton with us here today. Uh, How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thank you. Very well, Rianne. Excellent, excellent stuff. Thank you so much for your time today to record the podcast for us. Um, So first question, really, can you introduce yourself and your role at the council, please? I'll start with you, Jason. Yep. Um, My name is Jason Andrews. I'm a pollution team manager. I cover air quality and contaminated land in what's called the Regulatory Services Partnership, uh, which is a really long way of um, saying that we share services with, with other councils. So I represent Merton, Richmond and Wandsworth Council for Air Quality. Excellent. And you, Maya? Um, So I work uh, with Jason. I'm one of the lead air quality officers in the Triborough Partnership. I mainly focus on on Merton. Um, So my role is to help deliver air quality projects across the borough, um, which are to improve air quality and, and ultimately have a positive impact on the health and well-being of our residents. Excellent. Thanks, guys. And we're really excited to speak to you today because, as you know, councils across the country are using behaviour change techniques to deal with the climate emergencies locally. um, And there's a real thirst for for information and projects such as the ones you're going to talk about today. So I guess let's start at the very beginning, really. I'll start with you, Maya, on this. Um, What was your original behavioural challenge that you wanted to address through this project? Um, so air pollution is, is one of the biggest environmental threats that we face uh, to health in, in the UK. Um, so we were looking at um, ways we can we can help improve air quality. Um, so the we were looking at engine idling. Um, so this is the act of people um, sitting in their car with the engine running um, where they could have be turning it off and saving emissions so it's often uh, a very simple and unconscious act um, so the, the thought really was this this would be a good behavior change project because um, you know asking people to switch off their engine that act doesn't particularly um, well when they're idling rather it doesn't particularly benefit that individual so in theory that's a behavior that we can influence and change without them having too much resistance to that. Um, so originally we were, the project started back in 2019 uh, with a view to to look at engine idling outside primary schools because that's a known hotspot at pick up, drop off times. Parents can sit out there with their engine running waiting for the kids. Um, and again, that, that kind of subconscious, um, you know, they don't realise that they're causing an issue by leaving their engine running. <clears throat> Um, unfortunately, just as the project was kicking off, so did the COVID-19 pandemic. So we, the project was put on a bit of a hold because schools closed initially. And then when they were opening up again, we found that there is a different approach to car parking practices. Um, you know, people were, there was the staggered pick up and drop off times, for example. So there wasn't the... Yeah, the convergence of vehicles all at one time outside of schools. Um, 
so we we rescoped um we rescoped to look at another area that would benefit from a behavioral change project which was also a hot spot for engine idling yeah. um yeah. sorry jason go on yeah if i can jump in there um it, it's anti-idling is a bit of a strange one it's uh it's something that sort of captured captured the imagination um, and most councils get an awful lot of complaints about idling vehicles um, we, we have a number of levers that we use to, to deal with pollution, but this one seems to be the poster child of, um, of uh, air quality locally. So we find that our inboxes, um, not just in, 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 in our three boroughs, but across London are full of concerns and complaints about anti-idling ground that we can use to deal with that, but it's a really weak piece of legislation. Um, so in actually using that to find people is is virtually impossible. And I, I think there's probably only one or two fines mm -hmm. been issued throughout London. So we wanted to try and find a way of influencing and changing behaviour um, without having to go down that enforcement route, because that that's really a blind alleyway anyway. Um, so we put out things like signs and we have interventions and in some boroughs we have the um, the CEOs or the, the, the civil enforcement officers, the parking wardens um, that go out and intervene with people. But there's always been this concern about how can you actually directly change behaviour? All we wanted to do is get to a place where, you know, the, the seatbelt thing in the 70s uh, and smoking in, in, in pubs, we wanted it to get like that where people are aware that it's a behaviour they shouldn't be doing. Uh, but how do you get that without any legislation or any legislation with teeth in the background? So it was a chance to start to, to explore that. And we originally were going to look at a school. We had a particular problem in the borough where we had a secondary school being built next to a primary school. And the view was that, oh, there's going to be lots of vehicles turning up and the primary school is going to be suffering from fumes. Um, uh, and COVID-19, as Maya said here, and we had to find a different, different location. So we looked at a, a level crossing. Uh, which is permanently in use and there are issues with idling there and we do get complaints about that. So so you've rescoped that project from the school focus due to COVID-19 to being at, at a crossing, a particularly local area with a high level of idling and you're looking at rather than the sort of the, the stick, the legal enforcement approach, is there a, a more subtle way yeah. we can nudge change behaviour in that way? So, so that was sort of your project in, in a nutshell. Um, mm -hmm. So how did you start to gather the insights and the understanding of what was driving that behavior driving that was a pun <laughs> i didn't mean that honestly um dearie me um so that was really you know you said that people you know, continue to idle they can't see the benefit for them it, it, it's sort of a behavior that's quite entrenched so how did you go about gathering the insights into into you know what was behind that behavior and how you could start to change it so we we, we know because of our complaint inbox that there are areas in the borough where people are concerned about it. We know around schools, prior to school streets, and I think you understand what school streets are, where they're closed off during certain periods, but prior to those and, and still in the borough, there are lots of locations that don't have school streets. We know you can just walk up to a school and you'll find that there are queues of um, idling vehicles waiting for, for kids. I've seen some appalling behaviour at schools, um, of people just sitting there outside their cars on their phones with their exhaust pipe pointed into the playground area next to kids completely oblivious um, so we know we know that there's a problem but what we wanted to do is to do a baseline um, so 
I think Maya can probably cover that quite 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 nicely. Um, she, she's the one that made our colleagues go out at seven o'clock in the morning in the freezing cold to do the baseline. So I'll, I'm going to hand over to Maya at that point. <laughs> I make you sound really bad. Sorry. <laughs> no, thanks for that. Um, well, luckily for us, we, we got a really good um, consultancy on board to help design um, to design the project for us. So we worked with the behavioural insights team. So we went through the, the procurement, our council procurement process to find a suitable delivery agent to support us with this work. Um, they've got a lot of experience in this area, hence the, the name, I guess. Um, so um, bit they behavioural insights team bit they completed a literature review um, and they they kind of looked at the things that can influence um, idling behaviour. So there is strong evidence that campaigns and signage can reduce idling. So that's a, that was kind of the, the starting point. And we also know that this from ourselves, I mean, in the borough already, we have idling signage in place in our hotspot areas, but it was we needed a, a kind of a different take on it because the static signs, yes, they do have value, but um, as I'm sure everybody's conscious of, uh, down and down a normal street, lampposts are, are normally occupied by a number of signs, so sometimes the idling signs can get lost in that clutter, or you know you just you just stop taking them in. So. Um, we were, we were interested in in signage we already do campaign work um but if it's campaigning then that's officer time that constantly has to go out and and do the campaigning so we wanted something kind of in place um to to be there all the time and to cut down on, on resources in the long run um so they were they kind of bit looked at evidence on why people idle and they looked at surveys um, and they found that most of the time it doesn't occur for drivers to turn their engine off or they believe that it's not beneficial for reducing emissions or beneficial for their fuel consumption. Some drivers might have a concern that if they turn off their engine it might not start up again. Um, so most people just don't turn off their engine. Um, but we do know that when, when asked drivers, when prompted to, you know, nine times out of ten, a driver will sort of say, "Oh gosh, sorry, didn't realise," and they they turn off when when prompted. So that then goes back to the signage, having a sign there, that visual reminder, that prompt um, evidence is there that that can help um, help drive that change. So um, yeah, we we kind of started looking at the route of signage, but a different kind of signage. So we then arrived at. LED signs so this is the ones that they're, they're illuminated essentially so instead of the static sign um, these would be activated uh, at the level crossing so when the barriers come down and the traffic stops um, there'd be a camera there to kind of know then that the traffic was, was stationary and the, the sign would illuminate so it's not on all the time so when people are driving through it's not there to be a distraction but it's just there when it needs to be there and it, it, it's illuminated when it needs to be illuminated so that's how kind of the 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 research bit was was desk based and also um from from our experience as, as borough officers mm -hmm. um so, so my on the if 
when listeners look at the report of your project, mm-hmm. which is on our website, yes. you can see we've got visuals in there of yes, there was have, already yeah. a sign, wasn't there, at this crossing. There was That's already right. a static sign that had been there for some time, which wasn't having mm. a, an impact on that behaviour. And yeah. then obviously, as you've described there, you've gone to the LED motion sort of sensitive mm-hmm. activated sign. What yeah. was the difference between the two signs? Um, so they were well, the LEDs much bigger. Um, okay. We were so there. There are three level borough cross um, uh, level borough level crossings in the borough. Um, so we picked the one that had space to carry a larger sign, and um, it was a nice straight bit of road. So the visibility was was the best visibility we could possibly get. So that that one sign could influence the you know the the greatest number of vehicles that we could Uh, so the the main difference is the size and it being illuminated and we we thought about having different messages there was there's a possibility that the 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 it would be a variable messaging sign but again uh, BIP conducted a literature review um, to look at the different types of of messaging and whether that would appeal to um, self-interest and raise awareness whether it would be a a social norm type of messaging or air quality messaging so we um, we went down the self-interest and and awareness raising route so the message that was chosen was save money save fuel turn off your engine so that's different already to the static signs we have, which are, um, they're just, I can't even remember now, they're just like switch off your engine, I think. So it doesn't really appeal. We're obviously at this unique time in, a, in, in our lives as well at the moment with a fuel crisis. And um, so it is quite salient to people saying, you know, if you turn off your engine, you save. Well, the first that first sight, that first message is save money. So you know, straight away you you've got that hook there because it's very relevant to the time. Um. So yeah, I mean that those those are the, the the main differences. They're appealing appealing to people. Um. Everybody wants to save money, don't they? <laughs> so there was no mention of air quality, which I thought, yeah. in my mind, I thought that's that's the route we'd go down. But you know, the the thought was that people don't really understand air quality, but they do understand save money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we, we toyed with a number of ideas mm. um, when we first looked at this. We were thinking perhaps we'll paint paint the highway, yeah. put a nice like, okay. mural on the highway, and and when drivers come up to it, they'll see that. Uh, we also thought about these new laser signs that sort of shine images onto the the uh, pavement, but. <laughs> But it was getting so complicated. Um, but then you see LED signs are everywhere. You know, they, they talk about road closures and things like that. Uh, and if we look at the location that we we put the sign in, there are signs all the way up the road yeah. on all the lampposts <laughs> and they're all pointed towards the, the, the motorists. But I think people just get sign blindness. So what we wanted something to do was to illuminate when the traffic stopped so pe- it catches people's eye rather than them sitting there filling with their radios or or whatever it is they do in their cars. And then that would be the trigger for them to think, oh, perhaps I'll switch off here. Mm. Um, And we did some uh, testing before. So before the sign was up, we had officers out just counting vehicles with 
yeah. um, of vehicles, the, the idling vehicles and keeping numbers and keeping track of what's happening. So we formed a baseline. Um, and most of that was at sort of seven, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, so they, we they were long, long days, the officers they involved. Were, so it's uh, a massive thanks to them for data yeah, collection. We, we wanted to baseline it. We wanted to have something to compare it to. So uh, a big thanks to those officers that were out there freezing at um, seven o'clock in the morning for days days at a time but we and also boiling important. because it was winter and summer so they they got that's hit true. By, by yeah that, that's true them. and they didn't yeah. complain well not officially not anyway <laughs> but we did look after them don't worry we gave them coats and jackets and things like that um so yeah that, so that was the baseline so then we installed the sign which in itself was a mammoth task um anyone that's been through procurement and having to dig up the the public highway but we had some tremendous help um, from colleagues in highways and from the company that put the sign up. Uh, again, I think Maya touched on it. We, we did talk about what message should be there, whether we should appeal to people's social uh, social conscience around um, pollution and, you know, people breathing problems. Um, but we came up with a sort of appeal to the pocket. Um, so we had you know, pollution and save money. Um, and then we did the study after the sign was in place, I think, Maya, you can probably jump in at that point and, and say what the effect was. I guess yeah. just just at that point, sorry, just to, just to sort of so summarise there, mm -hmm. it's really interesting the sort of the behavioural treatment you decided to take. Mm -hmm. As you say, no mention of air quality, no mention of climate yeah. change. That's a really just a really salient point, I think, for, for listeners there is that you've gone for that you know set what's the benefits to the drivers um and you talked earlier there about you know people being oblivious and not really understanding what the benefits to them are of switching the engine off so you've really gone for that that particular treatment with the save money save fuel turn off your engine uh message um in terms of you talked around that you know getting the sign put up how just for, again for people thinking how can we do this in our own borough what sort of times, how long did that take? Can you talk me through a bit more maybe of the practicalities of that for councils listening in, please? Yeah, it did It did take quite a while. I mean, there's, like anything, you put you put kind of a time frame on it, you say, oh, six weeks for sign production. In, in that, um, while the sign's being produced, we'll be getting everything, the infrastructure ready to support the, you know, the, the structuring to support the sign. Um, but best made plans and all that. But, um, I mean, the... The key thing really for us was to get our colleagues in highways involved right off. You know, as soon as we we found, um, we decided we were going down this this sign route. It was to talk to colleagues straight away, so we know exactly what's possible. Um, because it's no good running away with this design and then going to colleagues and say, oh, you can't put a sign there. Um, so and they were very very supportive. Um, they obviously highways they manage the installation of posts and and all that side of things so they really dealt with that side of the project for us to get the infrastructure in place the the power connection the post to carry the sign they liaised um directly with the sign manufacturer as well so that was twm traffic control systems again they were superb at recommending um designs to us they gave us a number of options it wasn't just a right this is what you want here it is you know there was um we were involved in the design process as well so it was very much a two-way conversation um yeah so get 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 colleagues that need to be involved involved uh, as soon as you can um and then yeah just if you've got to be flexible with timings um so our, our 
air quality officers who were doing the pre and post collection. They were kind of on standby ready um, to go out to collect the data because we had to get everything in place in the sign beforehand so the the pre and post data collection they needed to occur um quite close together because obviously if too much time elapses there are other environmental factors then that can influence the impact of the sign um so it was we left three and a half weeks in where in between pre and post um sign installation for the data collection um and even in that time because as I mentioned the fuel crisis fuel had prices had increased by 11 percent in just that short amount of time so there's a caveat in the results there to say that we can't say that 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 increase had um you know an external influence on the efficacy of the sign um I think that that point on data collection is is really important is one that mm. does come up a lot in these projects is how are you going to measure it yes um because we want to make sure you know obviously as you say there are other extenuating circumstances sometimes but we had and pre and post is a really good way to do it actually and and like mm. you say it's it sounds like it's a, a huge task and great work from your officers to actually be there yeah, doing the counting really. doing that baseline because it's vital you need that baseline to understand has it mm. worked or not shall yeah. we roll this out this is all evidence-based innovation we're doing through behavioral change so um and i just want to pull that point out about so it's three and a half weeks before the sign went in you had officers out there collecting the baseline sign went in and then it was three and a half weeks after um, so the 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 pre oh, i can't think of the dates for the, the the pilot measurements um i think it was more it was before then i think we were it was it was some months before um getting the, the pilot measurements uh they they took 11 and a half hours uh, collecting observations over five days so over the working week um, and that was three officers there at, at the time so they could collect data from the queue of cars because obviously we get quite a, a large queue there um, so this this helped a bit with setting the definition for the outcome measure just getting this, this pilot these pilot measurements and that then determined how many hours of observations would be required and the details of the trial kind of yeah um yeah. you know the 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 main trial so then bit they were on hand to do it but they they did some power calculations so based on um the information that was collected then they could say um you know how many hours of observation was then required to collect um a sufficient sample number to to look at this you know the the impact so the idling behavior was measured um again during the trial over a five-day period so the um, before the sign was placed so that was in the may um and then again over a five-day period after the sign was placed in the june so we Got did it. our pilot kind of ahead of times because the the sign everything took a little bit longer to come through procurement <laughs> um but the the pre and essentially the pre and post sign period was was may and june Okay. Um, yeah. So quite great... a quick. So the sorry, the the sign was in. You know, you were measuring it five days. Quite a quick intervention. Once I say that, that's easy to say. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Once all the, it's in place, yeah. it wasn't like you kept it in place for six months. And no, and no, it was a very short, sharp. Which that's is an important it. point for other councils to be aware of. Sorry, Jason, you. Yeah. I, I, I think in. the good thing about the level crossing is that you have a really stable baseline anyway. Mm -hmm. um, if we would have done this at the school then you've got fluctuations in travel and that sort of thing. So um, we had 
we had a really nice petri dish to work with so we could uh, you know the, the drivers were more or less the same the number of vans were more or less the same um, and the, the the traffic level was quite static there so it it was a, a, a an easy baseline to use but obviously we needed to put the effort in to get the data out at the other end and of course we still had to be aware of, of school holidays because that has a massive impact on on the number of vehicles on the roads and the level crossing is quite close to a couple of schools um so yeah we were very conscious we once that sign went in we needed to get all the data collection before schools were breaking up in in the in the july because we we needed to have like for like so both measurements were done in the summer um and both were during the week both were like a standard flow there was nothing that would particularly impact the you know avoiding bank holidays and things like that so but, um, so it was kept that those extenuating circumstances it was kept the sanctity of the trial yeah we tried to yeah as much as obviously within your it wasn't yeah. like you, you came back the year after or anything like that you did it within That's that right. short same seasonality yeah. hopefully similar weather schools commuter you know similar type of that that's that's really important as well so what were the results uh so we we did get oh, thankfully we did get a really positive result um so before the sign was in place around 30 percent of drivers turned off their engine and afterwards 50 percent of drivers turned off their engine so that's a statistically Excellent. significant increase we've got 13 percentage points there um so everybody was thrilled because this has been such a protracted project <laughs> to start out into 2019 to go uh, quite a long way down a road with schools to then find oh we're not doing schools to rescope that to bring different stakeholders on board um uh, it was, uh, yeah, it, it's been a, a bit of a labour of love. So fantastic to get that that positive impact there. Um, and and yeah, because of because of the the time lapse of the project, Merton officers had to step in because obviously a lot of time, um, behavioural insights team time was taken with the rescoping, and yeah. so you know at, that then put the the burden onto our officers to go out, and it was a lot of you know a lot of hours of data collection there was over 2,000 vehicles were measured and recorded and um, yeah so it was a fantastic result for us and hopefully we we will go back and, and have another look I, I haven't told the officers yet so if you are listening officers <laughs> you may go back in this this summer I don't know um, just to see you know where we are with things and, and if that's still working nicely. Well I guess again the context has moved on even more hasn't it with the cost of living obviously there's a huge impact to your local residents with that so mm -hmm. that message the saliency is as we sort of say of that message continues to grow yeah. and be relevant doesn't it so mm -hmm. fantastic result um and like i say you know rigorously measured a clear evidence base and a clear statistically significant outcome of of success of that measure mm -hmm. um that can then be rolled out elsewhere across London across hence us doing the podcast to get others to to sort of take that project on board as well so mm. so brilliant result um what have been the sort of next steps what are the next steps for the council in terms of behavioral insights and how are you taking this learning from this project forward um shall I jump in there Maya yeah yeah great yeah um I, I mean 50% is great I mean it's really good it's it's but you have to remember it's one sign in one borough. If we had signs everywhere, then that message would drip feed into people's minds. 
and I would expect that to go up. We've had a lot of sign envy from other boroughs. <laughs> so okay, had, tell me about had, that. We've had councillors um, come in and say, well, why have they got that sign and we haven't got that sign? And that's a really good idea. So we've had lots of um, uh, discussions in the background around that and we're sort of putting people in touch with the sign providers. Um, but it's nice to have this evidence base to that. But you have to bear in mind it's one sign in one borough um, in, in, in London. So if you replicated that in every borough, it would start training people. Um, we're, we're trying to push this out through things like this, this podcast. We have a cluster group of air quality boroughs. Uh, we're sharing the findings with um, our governing body. So the GLA are picking up on this and sharing the work more widely. Um, but I think the, the biggest impact is the visual one and the people actually seeing it and thinking we want one of those signs. Um, so uh, we'd like to do it elsewhere. Obviously, it's all dependent on financing. Um, mm -hmm. We'd like to see smaller signs like this outside schools um, or some of our problem schools and the ones we can't have school streets on. Um, so there's there's some discussion about that. Obviously, it's all driven by finances and what's uh, the art of, of, of what's possible. But yeah, there's a lot of interest in it. It sort of it shows that this, this, this intervention does work, and I think the more it gets rolled out, the more it will soak into people's consciousness, and and they will start switching off. And that fifty percent should go up even higher. Mm -hmm. But we also have to think about the cost benefit. If you have three officers outstanding talking to motorists, which can be dealt with by one sign that costs very yeah. little, you know, the cumulative cost of having officer time out there, and you can outweigh that with we've signed it so there needs to be that sort of forward thinking around the finances as well so there's yeah there's, there's, there's lots of discussion in the background about this one and I think that point you raised earlier about you know those one-off campaigns local mm. mark you know air quality local campaigns um they are time sensitive aren't they they only last for so long yeah. and as you say the point of having officers out and about as well continuing to, to put that message when you have a sign in place that's doing that for you every day um there is a, there is a key difference there isn't there so as as this project you know prompted any other behavior change types of projects across merton any other sort of have you got any other plans in in this field and um, for behavior change we, we're mm. running uh, a number of um large projects through merton um we have uh, currently the construction low emission zone for London that we deliver on behalf of all of London and this is around behaviour change of of an entire industry the construction industry and what equipment they're using on sites so uh, we've been doing that sort of for the past four years and it's sort of matured now really nicely we've seen some um, really good results in London and that is basically fundamentally a behaviour change of um, the construction industry throughout London um, and that would be a, a, an interesting one to cover um, because we have to use lots of tools that don't exist in the background but we've got to a place now where it's, I think we're seeing about 90% compliance in London. And that's again through that carrot rather than stick rather than the enforcement approach we're taking a more behaviourally led uh, approach. It, it, it's about appealing to companies' green credentials and their commitment to to sort of uh, they have cleaner sites and cleaner equipment, and that's um, it's something that we've been able to feed into quite easily because the will is there. It's just all they want is a level playing field, and they want to know what to do. So we've managed to tap into that quite well. 
excellent stuff so so really good to hear this work is continuing to to move on both within your borough across the three boroughs you work within jason you're talking about and then more widely um across london's great stuff great stuff so we're coming towards the end of the conversation and how we like to finish uh, these podcasts is to ask the speakers who feature on the episode for their top tips for other councils listening in so what were the, the three top tips if, if I'm listening from an I mean, I'm a busy officer busy councillor listening in today and I'm thinking I really want to get this this is a great project I want to do this in our local area um what are your top three tips for people listening if they want to undertake something similar we'll start with you Maya um I say get uh, know your stakeholders and get them involved um get get everybody around a table and start that discussion as soon as possible so I mean a lot of our work anyway in air quality uh, it crosses over to different teams so we, we do have we're, we're fortunate that we do have good um relationships uh, with our with our colleagues across different departments um in Merton um so I would in, invite uh, other authorities if, if those connections aren't in place having a project that, that benefits um, across the council it's a great opportunity to, to start to talking to other teams uh, and just make sure that that your vision aligns with theirs <laughs> mm. um, you know so it, it, it does it does fit with with other people's plans and within the realms of what's possible and also when you're looking at funding um, funding can be tight in, in teams but if you can pull resources um and and you know draw from different funding pots across the council then you know something you can you can greater you can have a greater impact if you've got a bigger pot of money usually um and i should say we, with this project just quickly because we rescoped um we didn't plan to have an led sign so public health colleagues very kindly found the money for us to install that sign because there was quite a you know there was a, a cost associated with that which we had not planned for um so yeah thanks to them and then um uh baseline monitoring because you don't how can you evaluate the the impact of an intervention without that that initial um monitoring so those would be my two and i'll leave one for you jason i think you've stolen them all my <laughs> although what i would say is um you've got to be flexible uh if we had yeah, stuck to the true. original so plan we we wouldn't be where we are so be be open to changing your mind and changing the way that mm. you want to deliver something because with this project project yeah. has ended up completely in a different place to where it started um and in terms of this project and other boroughs emulating this they don't have to do all the research because we've already done it all they need to do is the practicalities of start installing these signs so uh, we've done all the hard work for them Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've proved the concept, you've proved the messaging. And I, I think, yeah, that key point around flexibility, because you you spoke there, you were open to a different type of message than one that was about air quality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really an important demonstration of your flexibility and your openness to a different approach to try something new. Um, and again, that point, Maya, around stakeholders and getting your stakeholders involved early is is so important, as well as getting your base measure in. So Thank you so much, guys. Really important tips for for others looking to to you know take this really successful project and and carry it out in their own local area. Um, great stuff. Thank you so much, and and huge congratulations from us at the LJ on such a successful project. And thank you for all of your hard work on it, because I know it's it's taken some time, but was worth <laughs> it in the end. And I look forward to to hearing more about where it develops and where it goes from here. 
So the full Merton report, as we mentioned earlier, is going to be on our website and that includes the visuals of the, the different signs so you can see um, what they look like now. And so if you go onto our website, www.local.gov.uk and search for behavioural insights, you'll be able to find um, the link to the report there. Please do share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and we will see you next time.